Well, we're continuing our series in Matthew, Kingdom Seekers, stand with me. We're gonna read the next two Beatitudes. Let's read together. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it brings truth. I thank you for your promises, because they are yes and amen. I ask, Lord, that you would change us through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. So we are continuing here in Matthew 5, and Jesus is speaking to, uh, speaking to the crowd on a mountainside, and he is uh, beginning to usher in uh, the understanding of what his kingdom is looking like, not looking like what it will look like, what it does look like, and he invites us to be participants in his kingdom by showing us what his kingdom is supposed to be and how the attributes of the kingdom work. And he's going to point us in a direction, he's gonna point the people in a direction that the kingdom of God should be what we seek first. Above all else, we should be seeking the kingdom of of God. And so Jesus is talking to a population of people who have been inundated by the law. What Jesus is introducing here is a set of of standards, if you will, a set of, 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 of different principles of the kingdom that they were not accustomed to. Uh, in fact, the last we learned a few weeks ago that the last word of the Old Testament is the word for, for cursed, and Jesus is ushering in the word blessed. And, and this is just a far notion away from what anything that they have been, they have been taught or that they, they understood. And, and Jesus comes and he says, I want to introduce a new way of thinking, a new way of living, because the kingdom of God has drawn near. Now, quite physically with them, he was there in proximity to them, but the kingdom of God has drawn near to us as well. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have access to this, to this kingdom. And as he dispels these, as, 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 he, uh, as he takes the people through these beatitudes, what I want us to really understand and zero in on is that none of us can really do any of these things apart from Jesus. None of us can really do any of these things without Jesus. You know, the beatitudes are often referred to as the be-attitudes, not the do-attitudes, but the be-attitudes, because when we be these attitudes, he has to do the work for us to be able to do it. So we just need to be and stop trying to take control. If you're anything like me, I like to be in control of my life. Anybody? Anybody like to be in control? No, just me. Okay. Well, I like to be in control of my life. And usually when I'm in control, I drive my life right into the ditch. But because of his wonderful, amazing grace, He allows me, affords me the opportunity to slide over and allow him to take control of my life. And he has done that over and over and over again. And I have the scars and the wounds and the stories to prove it. But it would never be his desire that we would be in the ditch, never be his desire that we would remain in the ditch. Uh, But he wants us to render control to him, not because he's just bossy and mean, but because he has something so much better for us than we have for ourselves. Amen? And so he's preaching, Jesus is preaching blessing here. And he says, here's what the kingdom of God looks like. And so I believe that these two beatitudes kind of go hand in hand. Pure in heart, blessed are the pure in heart, 
and blessed are the peacemakers. But if you really scale out and you look at the entire list of Beatitudes, they really all go hand in hand. And again, we can't execute any of them without the help of our Lord. So let's look at the first one. The first one says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So when we look at this, we see blessed are the pure, happy are the pure, full are the pure. What does pure mean? Well, pure means this, freedom from adulteration or contamination. Freedom from adulteration or contamination. Do you know that our hearts, apart from Jesus, are contaminated with all types of earthly, worldly, horrible things. Our hearts are contaminated with all of this filth, and even whenever we think that we have some things going right, when we think that we might be pure in one way or the other, the Bible tells us that anything with regard to good works or righteousness or purity that is on our own strength is is described as filthy rags. Now, I've worked in the restaurant industry for a while of time, and we used to have to clean up the floor, sop up the floor with these white rags and I would pick them up and they would be everything other than white, nasty, grease-filled, horrible. And the Bible tells us that anything that we believe that we've done right, anything that we think we've got, that we don't struggle with, that we don't, that we don't contend with, any of that righteousness that we feel like we have, it's compared to like those filthy rags. And so there's nothing that we can do apart from apart from Jesus. And the greatest contaminant in our heart is sin. The greatest contaminant in our, in our heart is sin. And, and sin separates us from God. God. God wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to be in communion with us. But our sin separates us from that ability. In Romans 3.23, it tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means you and me and everybody sitting next to you, we are all in the same boat. When it comes to the glory of God and our sin, we have all fallen short. And so we all need this message that Christ is bringing, do we not? This is for everyone. And so likened, so likened to the fact and the truth that we have sin in our life, we all need the redeeming power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And aren't you glad, aren't you glad that you don't have to take those filthy rags and try to clean them up before you come to the cross? In fact, what Jesus commissions us to do is to bring those filthy rags because he wants to exchange them for something better for something good. And so we don't wash ourselves up thinking that we can wash ourselves up good enough to come to the cross. We trust in the blood of Jesus Christ to do that for us, the power. So Jesus says, blessed are the pure in what? In heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Do you know that sinful people are not pure in heart? When we got sin radiating in our lives, in our hearts, when we find sin in that heart place, we cannot be pure in the same place. Purity is purging all of those contaminants, purging our life from sin. And so the Bible tells us about our heart condition. This is what it says over in Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Over in Matthew, and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, this is what it says about our heart. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Let me just stop there for a second. You have a problem with your words? 
You have problems with what you say? You know, what we do is when people have problems with the words, we say, oh, that's just Joe, that's just Bill, that's just Seal, that's Sue, that's just, who, that's just who they are. No, if you have a problem with what comes out of your mouth, it's a problem, it's a matter of the heart. It's a condition of the heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And so don't allow yourself to buy into the lie that you can just spout out anything you want and it's just, oh, it's just how God wired me. No, God wants to redeem that place in you. So the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, but that's not it. And these defile them. For out of the heart come, look at this list, guys, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. So we have all of these things that come out of our heart. So this should really beg a question was, did Matthew not record Jesus's words correctly? Is there no hope in seeing God when he says, blessed are the pure in heart that they will see God? Because if our heart condition is anything like this, we're not going to see God. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that when we look at the Bible holistically, it doesn't just tell us about our bad heart condition. It also tells us about what God's going to do about our bad heart condition. God loves us so much that he has a plan when we can't or we don't have the strength for the plan, right? We don't have the strength to do it on our own. So he gives us a plan in order to have the blessing of seeing God. Guess what? We need a new heart, you need a new heart. I need a new heart. And the word tells us what God is going to do about this. Look at what David cries out. Look what David cries out in Psalm 51, verse 10. He says this to God, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. When was the last time you asked God to create a new heart inside you. The prophet Jeremiah speaking on the Lord's behalf says this, I will give them a new heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all their heart. God is the issuer of new hearts. But look what it says in Ezekiel. And I want you to understand, these were written before Jesus is delivering this message. Do you understand? These prophecies are coming to fulfillment. This is what the prophet Ezekiel says. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Guys, when we have a heart of stone and we come from that hard place, then we will only respond in harsh ways and hard ways. We need a heart of flesh that God can get in and mold and change and to, to, that he can move and that he can, he can do his supernatural work because everything of Kevin and, his, and Kevin's heart is deceitful. Everything in my heart is bad and, is, and it, is, it is everything opposite of the kingdom. But Jesus comes and says, you need a new heart. And with this new heart, being pure in heart, then you will get to see God. So we are not people without hope because God is the only one who can purify your heart. 
God is the only one who can purify your heart. We had a situation a while ago where I was just in conflict with, 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 a, with a brother in the house and, and I was just saying, Sherry, I don't understand this person. I believe this person is slandering. I believe this person is gossiping. I believe this person is speaking non-truths. I don't understand wh- where they're coming from. And Sherry grabbed my hand and you know what she said? She said, let's pray right now that God would change their heart. Oh, that we would be people who would go to God first and say, God, would you change their heart? Because that is the catalyst for praying the greater prayer, which is God, change my heart. God, change my heart. Oh, that we would the very first thing be, God, change the heart change the heart. And when God does this, the blessing is, is that we get to see God. Now, what does that mean? I'm pure in heart. And so there's going to be a physical manifestation of God and I'm going to touch him and hold his hand. No, what he's saying is, is in your life, in your circumstances, in your, in your situations, in your relationships, you begin to have a lens with which you can see God. Oh, that we would see God in every circumstance we happen upon. Oh, that we would be pure in heart, that God would give us the spiritual lenses to see him and what he is doing when things come our way. I see, you see, our hearts are inclined toward tainted and unholy things. And God says, I'm going to give you a new heart so that your inclination will be toward pure and holy things. You can't do it on your own strength, but with his new heart, your inclination will be, okay, I want to have these pure and holy things a part of my life. And so what happens is spiritual purification, that new heart leads to behavioral purification behavioral purification. So many of us get this backwards. We come and we run into into the church or we run into the Lord and we say, I'm going to change my behavior in hope that my spiritual condition will change. But God says, no, your spiritual condition changes first and out of that outflow, the behavior changes. And can I tell you that that behavioral change is a process And everyone in this room at some varying level is in a position of process. I am in process. You are in process. Some of us are further along in the process. Some of us need to process things you don't even know are right there. You have mountains to process. Some of you are on a mountain processing right now. But we are in process. And this spiritual purification has the blessing of us seeing God attached to it. But, but. For some reason, even though there's a heart change, sometimes when we go into our situations and our relationships, we still don't see God. At least we don't act like we do or speak like we do. So what's the problem here? What's the culprit? I would submit to you today that one of the top things that stops us from seeing God after asking God to change our heart is this, our stinky opinions. God, you've changed my heart. I know your word, but this is how I feel about this situation. God, you've changed my heart. I know your word, but this is what I think about this person. 
And so we begin to add this ingredient into the whole puzzle, and we wonder why we find ourselves at the altar week after week saying, God, I don't understand why I'm having to go through this circumstance, why this person is doing this and that and all these other things. And it is because we allow ourselves to be put in that ingredient, or into, that, into, that, uh, into the ingredients. And here's the thing, we have to purge our lives of ourselves. Sometimes we are the contaminant in our lives. Do you understand? We are the impurification. And God says, no, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I see things in a different way, and I want to empower you to see them in the way that I see them. Because when you see them through a God lens, without your opinion, then you will understand that I'm trying to grow something inside you. I'm trying to grow something inside you. So we, so we grab this new heart and we couple it with our opinions, expecting to see God. But it is impossible to see God when you are blinded by your opinions. A new heart should be enough, but we hold on to our opinions because, and here's the culprit, guys, listen to this. We, we, we gain our new heart, we get into the word, but we have a problem trusting what God's word actually says. And when we have a problem with trust, then we insert ourselves because sometimes we trust ourselves more than we trust the word of God. And God wants to change that in our lives. If you'll let him, he, he, he will supernaturally change that and give you the strength to, to trust him. His word talks about that his words are pure. Look at these verses about God's word and what he says. It says this in Psalm 12. The words of the Lord are flawless. In the King James Version, it says, the words of the Lord are pure, like silver purified in a crucible, like God, like gold refined seven times. Over in Proverbs 30, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Let me tell you something. I'm not taking refuge in anything I don't believe in or I don't trust. If you're in a situation where you need refuge, you've got to trust the word of the, God, word of the Lord and get under his banner of trust. Or, I'm sorry, his shield, his shield to protect you and, and, and to trust him. In Psalm 119, it says, your word is completely pure and your servants love it. What we have to determine, what we have to decide in our hearts and in our minds is that what God says is true and it always accomplishes two things, guys. His word always accomplishes this, his glory and our good. What God says is always for his glory and our good. But there's a problem when we understand his goodness to be something that always feels good. See, we like to attach our feelings to it, don't we? Do you know how many circumstances and trials I've been in that did not feel good, but it was 100% God? There are many times when I step through things that it doesn't feel good. Why did you take that away from me, God? I don't understand. That person is against me, God. I don't understand. And God says, will you trust me in this circumstance? Will you trust me with this situation? And don't you know that you can trust God? Some of us at times have been rightly wronged. Does that make sense? We have somebody's come along and they have genuinely wronged us. 
And we feel that it's our job to take out the sword and fix the problem. But God says, you can trust me even in that. You can trust me even in that. When he changes our heart and we trust what he says is pure, we will see him. Have you ever had somebody in your life that you just can't stand? No? Yes? I can't stand that person. Okay, I had somebody in my life I couldn't stand. And um, I just said, God, this person, they say they're for me, but every action seems like they're against me. Lord, it's like they are, they're not my, they're not the yin to the yang. They're like the yin to the yin and we're battling out this thing. Like anytime I bring something to the table, it's a wall. It's, it's, and God, I tell you what, God, I have an idea. If you would just remove this person from my life, everything would be better. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Yeah, we don't want to admit it. I prayed that prayer about the person in the, no, I'm kidding. No, I've not, I, I have prayed that prayer before. And here's what God answered me about that specific situation. He said, Kevin, that person is a gift to you. I want God to answer my prayer the way I want it answered. (laughs) You ever gone to God and asked him for something and said, this is what I want the outcome to be? (laughs) God said, this person is a gift to you. And you know what happened? When he said that to me, he gave me a big fat mirror. And when I started to consider that person, you know what God showed me? He didn't show me that person's flaws. He showed me in my pride. He showed me my arrogance. He showed me my jealousy. He showed me my selfishness. And I started to see how dirty and cruddy my heart was. And I had to ask the Lord to forgive me and to clean that out. And you know that when God began to do that work, I saw that person in a whole different light. Now, is that other person flawed? Yes. Is that person still a pain in the neck sometimes? But that person is a gift to me. And I couldn't see it through a God lens unless God purified my heart. When we ask God to purify our hearts, then we will see things from his perspective. From his perspective, the pure in heart are able to see God in everything. The pure in heart are able to see God in everything. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time someone saw the best in you? Do you know that you have God's stuff inside you? Every one of you have God's stuff inside you. I'm not talking about that good selfish Uh, righteousness that we're talking about, like filthy rags. I'm talking about stuff that God has ordained and put there. I'm talking about the stuff that you could not do on your own strength. God has placed that in every one of you. When's the last time you had somebody view you through the lens where they saw the best in you? We had a situation come up um, a a while ago where uh, I was, uh, I had made a decision and there was, um, I had a friend and his wife and, and the wife did not understand this decision. Didn't understand the the details and actually had heard some things that were false about the decision that we made and started to be real upset about it and started to get worked up about it and started to to share some things with her husband and whatnot. And her husband said to her, wait a second, wait a second. This is not the Kevin that we know and we love. 
There has to be more to the story here. So instead of us trying to fix this problem, let's go to the source and see what it's really all about. And do you know that my friend did that? And do you know about 75, 80% of what the spouse was carrying wasn't true, wasn't accurate? Guys, we are so conditioned to not see the best in others. We are so conditioned to go around and grab. We can know somebody, know the God in somebody, see the maturity in somebody, be running with somebody, and one little line comes our way and we grab it, and all of a sudden we run with it because popularity is more important than principle. And so we'll grab with it and we'll get in that crowd and we'll start talking and all of a sudden what could have been so small becomes so big because we are navigating this race with an untruth and we're walking on a foundation that is not pure. Oh, that we would go to the person when things happen to us, when we hear things. Oh, that we would have people in our lives that would look and see, say, I see God in you. I see God's best in you. I see what God is doing inside you. I, I trust the God inside you to do this and to work things out for your good. Oh, that we would mature and be the people who see guys, but do you know that when God looks at you, he doesn't, he chooses not to see your filth because of the blood of Jesus. God looks at you and he sees his own righteousness on your life. Aren't you glad that God didn't say, well, I kind of like these people over here. Y'all are just whatever. It's for you. No, everybody gets in on it. Everyone gets in on it. And so we kind of, get our hearts straight, we get pure before the Lord and we start seeing the Lord work and all of a sudden we get a flashlight. It's like, boom, I see what James is doing wrong. Boom, I see what Marshall's doing wrong. Boom, 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 boom. And we just take this light and we're just waiting for somebody to misstep so we can call it out. Guys, God is calling us to call out the best in people. He is asking us to call out those things that we see in people. Oh, how encouraging is it, James, when somebody comes to you and sees everything that God's placed in you instead of calling out everything you've put in yourself. Doesn't that feel so much better? Isn't that so much better to know God's truth and promise over your life? Oh, that we would be that every single day when we're walking this life, that we would have the purity in heart to see each other as God sees us. And so this brings us to the next beatitude, which is this, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Guys, we severely undervalue the power and the importance of peace in our lives. God desires for us to have and to operate in peace. We had a, a, a lady who was here last week and heard the message. Pastor Ronnie gave a really terrific message last week. And uh, the, the, uh, the laying foundation, especially toward the back end of the message, had to do with forgiveness. And she got into her week and she was saying, you know, she was saying, you know, I, I, he, he said that we should, at the very end, he said we should ask God and search our heart if there's anybody that we need to forgive. And I was, I was, uh, I was trying to do that, and I was praying to, uh, for the Lord to show me uh, who I needed to forgive. And I didn't really find anybody, but I, I also realized that I didn't really have the capacity to, to, to search my heart. So I laid down Facebook this week. And she said, you know what I realized when I laid down Facebook? 
where I thought I was only spending like five or 10 minutes on it, I was actually spending hours on it. And so she said, I laid down Facebook and in those hours, you know what? God didn't actually reveal to me that I need to forgive uh, this person, but you know what he revealed to me? I needed to go and make peace with somebody who had already forgave. He revealed to me that this person had done something and I only saw X, but there was A, B, and C that was over here that I, that I refused to see because all I was looking at was X. Guys, we are terribly distracted. We are terribly distracted. Do you know that it takes time for there to be a peaceful situation? It takes time for there to be peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Let me give you a piece of truth today. And if you forget everything I say, this is what I want you to remember today. It's this. It is not your job to straighten people out. It's not your job to straighten people out. Guys, we walk in this mentality. I I walk in this mentality sometimes, if I'm being quite honest, that I know the truth and I know what's right. And when you're doing the wrong thing, it's my vendetta to make, it's my commission to make sure you know that you're wrong. And so many times relationships are severed because instead of looking for the pathway of peace, we look for the pathway of who's right and who's wrong. And we would rather camp all day long and I'm right and you're wrong than to try to find the pathway to peace, forgetting that the only reason that we were right in the first place was because of what he did in our lives, not anything that we did ourselves. God's pathway is peace. And what happens, guys, in this right standing, whenever we draw our sword, when we're in these conflicts and we have to be right, is what we're saying is, God, I don't trust you to right this situation. So let me take control and write it for you. Do you know that you can spit out truth all day long and if you're not called to be the one to give it, they're not gonna receive it? They're not going to be the one. You are not called to change people's lives. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. And I will also further say that most of the time when somebody needs to change the way they're thinking, it's going to be a Joshua situation where God does some supernatural, weird thing that causes them to change their mind, where he says, Joshua, walk around those walls seven times. That is not the way I would have taken down those walls. Just walk, just walk. Rarely does God's peace come in form of a sword. Rarely does it come in the form of a sword, but we are so quick to draw it. I remember the story in scripture where Jesus is in the garden and you remember Peter was there and the soldier was there and Peter comes out and he grabs the sword and he cuts the dude's ear off. You remember that story? Here's the thing. Peter was fighting on the side of righteousness. He was fighting on the side of truth. He was defending the faith, but you know what? He wasn't called. He wasn't called. And so he ended up hurting someone in the vein of trying to do something right because God didn't tell him to do it. Guys, if we would, if we would back up a little bit and say, God, what is your role for me in this situation? And I hate to tell you, but most of the time, God says, I want you to look in the mirror because there's some things that you need to address on your inside. 
There's some things I want you to change on your, on your inside. I would argue that most of the time, it's not so much about us being right as much as you wanting to make sure that they know they're wrong. That's not the kingdom that we belong to. God's is a kingdom of, of peace. Jesus is ascribed the name, the Prince of Peace. And he commissions us, he invites us to come and to, and to convey peace in our relationships to one another. Romans 12 says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The ball's in our court. The ball's in your court. I'm not saying anything unless they pick up the phone, unless they do this. Aren't you glad that God's love is unconditional? Aren't you glad that God's love is unconditional? And that is the love that we are supposed to be conveying to one another. Are you willing to be wrong in the place of being wrong in order for there to be peace? Think about it. Well, Kevin, are you saying though that whenever somebody's saying something that against scripture that's overtly wrong, that I'm supposed to do that? No, that's not what I'm saying. Are you saying that I'm supposed to break the moral code of living for the kingdom just in the vein of peace? No, I'm not saying all that. What I'm saying is, are you willing to trust the Lord to right that person? Are you willing to stand in the place of being wrong and saying, Lord, I understand that my place is not to be the voice in this life. So I would rather be in the vein of peace with this person. Because that's what he's calling us to. Only Jesus gives us the ability to establish peace. You know, the world has tried to establish peace. In 1945, we established the United Nations and their job was to establish peace on the earth. How are they doing? The world cannot establish peace. Peace only comes from the Prince of Peace and that is Jesus and that is Jesus. And if you're trying to draw your peace from somewhere else, from your own strength, you are not going to find it. You are going to fall short every single time. So what gets us in trouble when it comes to our relationships and trying to find the pathway of peace? Does this look familiar? Our opinions, our stinky opinions, get in the way of us having relational peace with one another. When we can surrender our opinions, when we can surrender ourselves in a situation, God will open the pathway to peace. The promise of peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers. The promise is this, the blessing is this, they will be called children of God. The word there in the, in the it's sons of God, sons and daughters of God, the word here, there that, that Jesus uses, the word heos. And there are two different uh, words that could be used there, and he chooses this one. And that word heos means that it is a dignified position, as if you were an ambassador of your father. It's, it's as if I carry the traits, the characteristics of my dad. Are you carrying the characteristics of your dad in your relationships? I'm not talking about the relationships that are going really well. I hope you're doing it there too. But I'm talking about that person that you say, I can't stand. I'm talking about the person that offends you. I'm talking about the person in your life that has so wronged you. Are you carrying into that relationship this heos? Children of God, blessed are the 
peacemakers because the very traits of my father, the very, the very characteristics of my dad come into play in our relationship. Are you carrying those traits? Oh, that we would be a people who would carry those traits in everything that we do, in every, every sentence we say to people, in every relationship we are in. Here's the thing about peacemakers being the children of God. They are secure in who they are and whose they are. Peacemakers are secure in who they are and whose they are. That means that when they take the high road, when peacemakers fall on the sword, do you know how many things that I have said and done that I haven't really said and done? But when you fall on the sword and you say, you know what, this is not really my battle that I'm supposed to fight. I'm looking for the pathway of peace. You can do that because your security doesn't come from what they say about you. Your security comes from God and what he says about you. And guys, he has some pretty incredible, wonderful things to say about us. This is what, uh, well, let me say this first. Andy Stanley wrote a book uh, called Not In It to Win It. It's a fabulous read if you want to read it. And in there, he's dissecting kind of how Christians walk through the whole COVID pandemic era. And guys, just in case you didn't know, we didn't do a good job. Just letting you know. And a lot of it has to do is in our relationships, a lot of us are in it to win it. I'm in it to win it. As long as I come out on top, we're good. But the minute you put yourself above me or, I, or, you, or, or, or it looks like you wronged me, we're done. That's not the way of the kingdom. This is what the message says of the same uh, blessing that Jesus pronounced over this. He says, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Peacemakers. God's peace, God's peace brings reconciliation onto, at, to the table. God's peace brings restoration to the table. God's peace does supernatural things in our relationships. Pastor Ronnie talked about forgiveness last week. But forgiveness is just the first step to a journey of reconciliation and peace in your relationship. It was like that upon your salvation. Jesus forgave you for your sin. You are forgiven for your sin. And now you are in the period of time where your relationship to God is being restored, where there's reconciliation to this God who's created you. It's the same in our relationships. God desires for relationships to be restored, to be reconciled. Um, some of you are aware a couple of years ago that the Chick-fil-A here on um, Sam Ridley closed down for a renovation. And the reason some of you know that is because you were mad. You were angry. Am I right about it? And so what happened was, is nothing was wrong with the chicken. The chicken was being cooked, it was fine. But what happened was, is the experience of eating the chicken wasn't going very well. That experience was not going very well because the place was just too small. The place was too small. So the owner had to make a decision. The owner said, okay, I'm gonna close my doors for a period of time. I'm gonna close my doors for a period of time and we are going to 
tear down and restore this Chick-fil-A so that the experience will be better. Now in that, the owner of that Chick-fil-A, I used to work at Chick-fil-A, so I know this, that owner lost tens of thousands of dollars during that time of shutdown. Customers lost their 11 a.m. Tuesday satisfaction. Now I'll tell you that operator could every day gotten up and gone over there and said, I cannot believe I'm losing thousands of dollars today. This is, this is such a cruddy situation. I can't believe that, 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 that all of this is having to be done because of them. And customers could have been walking around saying, I cannot believe I can't get my chicken fixed because this operator is tearing down this building. Or the operator can say, I'm going through this hardship right now, this deconstruction and this reconstruction, this restoration process, because on the other side, it's going to be better for both of us. And now you can go to Chick-fil-A, have a Chick-fil-A sandwich and have a much better experience. Guys, relationship building is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. And for a lot of us, that something is pride, selfishness, jealousy, arrogance, all of those things. But if you will go in the vein of peace, if God will purify your heart so you can see him and you go in the vein of peace where in the DNA of your father, you will not be so focused on yourself that you don't see the benefit of trying to climb this mountain one step at a time to reconcile this relationship. Peace is never found in circumstances. It's only found in a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I wanna give you a couple of practical things to do. I believe that some of you, some of you came down last week and you asked the Lord to help you forgive someone for something. Maybe perhaps you've done that before last Sunday, or maybe today, maybe today is a day you're thinking, Lord, I need to forgive such, so-and-so for such and such. I'm gonna invite you into the next step of that process toward reconciliation. And I wanna give you a few practical things to do because here's the thing, when a relationship is severed, all we can see is the mountain in front of it. And we say, man, this mountain is way too high, too hard to climb. And especially if we feel like we're the one wrong, we're like, why should I have to spend my time chipping away at this mountain when I didn't cause the mountain to exist? But God's way, the kingdom way would say, that mountain can move. But here's the way, here's the pathway. The first thing to do is to pray. You're not gonna do it without the Lord. You're not gonna have the strength to do it without the Lord. You have to invite him into the process. And when you invite him, get ready because what's gonna happen, you're gonna want him to show you everything they've done wrong. He's gonna show you everything that you need to change. And he's gonna purify what's going on inside. And the second step is to take it a small chunk at a time. See, remember a few weeks ago, I said one of our big plagues and problems is we we want things right now. You hurt me, I forgive you, let's move on. Guys, it doesn't work that quick. Hurt takes a while to heal. Hurt takes a while to heal, but God will sustain you through the process if you'll stop causing the hurt. Take it one 
chunk at a time. What the real issue is at the base of that mountain. And you're not going to be able to even tackle that base thing until you get rid of these shallow things at top. And so take that small thing and start to chip away at that small thing. And lastly, find some type of common ground. Find something that you can agree upon and start there. And as you begin to walk the process out of something you can agree upon, you begin to evaluate these shallow things that perhaps you're bringing to the table, God will begin to do this supernatural work. And all of a sudden that mountain becomes a hill and that hill becomes a little bump. And all of a sudden you look in the distance and the mountain's not there anymore and you're reconciled. And here's what I know about relationships in my life that have been reconciled over time. The relationship I have now is far better than it ever was back then. God can do the redemptive work of restoration and reconciliation in relationships. He is a, a peaceful God. He commissions us to be peacemakers. When we enter into our relationships in that design, in that way, we carry the DNA of the one that we call dad, our father. Would you stand with me? And those who are going to pray with people, would you come forward? There's a real anointing, I believe, today for reconciliation and restoration in relationships. Maybe you're standing in the gap for somebody who has a broken relationship with somebody else. Maybe you know of a broken relationship and you just want God to be all over that thing. But if that's you, I, come, I encourage you today to come forward and start with that very first step of prayer. Or maybe you just have a need. Maybe there's something going on in your, in your life. This God is not too far. He is right here today and he wants to meet you in that need. You come today and converse with this King, the Prince of Peace.